Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. I don't care, I'm still free. You can't take the sky from me. Take me out to the black. Tell them I ain't coming back. Burn the land and boil the sea. You can't take the sky from me. I found serenity But you can't take the sky from me Saddle up, y'all, because we're fitting to wrangle up a whole mess of Garam facts about everyone's favorite space western, Firefly. This week we get into the critically acclaimed yet short-lived 2002 series from Joss Whedon, as well as the complimentary 2005 film Serenity starring the same cast. Now, Nathan Fillion is one of my man crushes, so when today's guest Leroy Furwood suggested we cover Firefly, I was more than happy to oblige. We met up on a Sunday at Kelly's Olympian in downtown Portland, Oregon before the weekly comedy open mic there hosted by Jaron George, where we got to chatting about the show and movie, stand-up comedy, van life, and sexy government experiments involving dolphins. Oh, and you'll get to hear Leroy's set at the end of this episode as well. He's a super funny fella, so make sure to stick around for that. In the meantime, it looks like we've got a tail to shake. There's an Alliance-wide bulletin out for a Firefly-class vessel. Looks like we tripped some sort of... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! During that last heist. So, if you're unfamiliar with the show Firefly, do yourself a favor and check out this superb space western. It's got a great cast, and the story is pretty darn good. So with that in mind, let's hear a quick synopsis of the show. Reruns start with Book or Captain Reynolds providing the following backstory. Here's how it is. The Earth got used up, so we moved out and terraformed a whole new galaxy of Earths. Some rich and flush with the new technologies, some not so much. The Central Planets, thems formed the Alliance, waged war to bring everyone under their rule. A few idiots tried to fight it, among them, myself. I'm Malcolm Reynolds, Captain of Serenity. He's a transport ship, Firefly class. Got a good crew. Fighters, pilot, mechanic. We even picked up a preacher for some reason and a bona fide companion. There's a doctor, too. Took his genius sister out of some alliance camp, so they're keeping a low profile. You understand. You got a job? We can do it. Don't much care what it is. Straight to the point, as always, Captain Reynolds, it's a good thing I'm here to provide just a little bit more detail. Set in the distant future, Malcolm Mal Reynolds, played by Nathan Fillion, is the captain of the ship Serenity, a Firefly-class transport. His crew are an odd assortment of characters, all experts in their fields. There's his second-in-command, Zoe, played by Gina Torres, the pilot and Zoe's husband, Wash, played by Alan Tudyk, the muscle, Jane Cobb, played by Adam Baldwin, and the engineer, Kaylee, played by Jewel State. Also on board is a professional companion, Inara, played by Morena Bakarin. She gives the ship credibility and helps it get its landing rights throughout the Alliance. Mao and Zoe fought in the Galactic Civil War on the side of the Independence, or quote, Browncoats, a failed attempt by the outlying worlds to resist the Alliance. The war was won by the Alliance, who now rule the known galaxy. The show takes its name from the Firefly-class spaceship Serenity that the central characters call home. It resembles a firefly in general arrangement, and the tail section, analogous to a bioluminescent insectoid abdomen, lights up during acceleration. The ship was named after the Battle of Serenity Valley, where Sergeant Malcolm Reynolds and Corporal Zoe Elaine were among the survivors on the losing side. It's revealed in Bushwhacked that the Battle of Serenity Valley is widely considered to have sealed the Independent's fate on the losing side. The Alliance is shown to govern the star system through an organization of core planets following its success in forcibly unifying all of the colonies under one government. 
It is suggested that the alliance is composed of two primary core systems, one predominantly Western in style and the other Pan-Asian, justifying the mixed linguistic and visual themes of the series. The central planets are firmly under alliance control, but the outlying planets and moons resemble the American Old West under little governmental authority. Settlers and refugees on the outlying worlds have relative freedom from the central government of the alliance, but lack the amenities of the high-tech civilization that exists on the inner worlds. The outlying areas of space, known as the Black, are inhabited by the Reavers, a cannibalistic group of nomadic humans. Reynolds and his crew make their living through any means possible. Some of these means are legal, carrying passengers and cargo, and some are not, smuggling, scavenging, and stealing. On a trip to one planet, they pick up three passengers, a priest, Shepard Book, played by Ron Glass, a doctor, Simon Tam, played by Sean Mayer, and his sister River, played by Summer Glau. The main story is that of River Tam and her brother Simon. River is a child prodigy whose brain was subjected to Alliance scientists at a secret government institution. She displays symptoms of schizophrenia and often hears voices. It is later revealed that she is a, quote, reader, one who possesses telepathic abilities. Simon gave up a career as an eminent trauma surgeon in an Alliance hospital to rescue her, and they are fugitives. In the original pilot, Serenity, Simon joins the crew as a paying passenger with rivers smuggled on board as cargo. By the last episode, Objects in Space, the fractured character of River has finally become whole, partly because the others decided to accept her into their, quote, family on the ship. The series takes place in the year 2517 on a variety of planets and moons. Now, the TV series doesn't reveal whether these celestial bodies are within one star system, but given the Serenity's mode of propulsion is a gravity drive with sub-light speeds, I'm guessing that the percentage of the galaxy the Alliance actually has control over is relatively small when compared to, say, Star Trek or Star Wars. Especially when you uh, take into consideration that there isn't a single alien race mentioned throughout the entire series, uh, and the odds of us being truly alone on a galactic scale is statistically impossible. Now, before we get to stepping on into some facts, I would also like to give a brief synopsis of the movie Serenity. In the 26th century, humanity has colonized a new solar system. The central planets formed the Alliance and won a war against the outer planet Independence, who resisted joining the Alliance. River Tam is conditioned by Alliance scientists to become a psychic and an assassin, but is soon rescued by her brother, Dr. Simon Tam. During her training, River inadvertently read the minds of several top government officials and learned their secrets. Consequently, an Alliance agent, known only as the Operative, is tasked with recapturing her. The siblings have found refuge aboard the transport spaceship Serenity with Captain Malcolm Reynolds, First Mate Zoe Washburn, Pilot Hope and Wash Washburn, Mercenary Jane Cobb, and Mechanic Kaylee Fry. Despite Simon's objections, Mal brings River on a bank robbery. River warns them that savage and cannibalistic Reavers are coming. They escape, but Simon decides he and River will leave Serenity at the next port. Once there, however, a subliminal message in a television commercial causes River to attack numerous bar patrons, and Mal takes the siblings back aboard the ship. The crew contacts reclusive hacker Mr. Universe, who discovers the message designed to trigger River's mental conditioning. He notes River whispered, quote, Miranda, before attacking and warns that someone else has viewed the footage. Mal receives an invitation from former crew member Inara Sarah. Realizing it's a trap, Mal goes to confront the operative who promises to let him go free if he hands over River. Mal barely escapes this encounter, and Miranda is discovered to be a planet located beyond a region of space swarming with Reavers. The crew flies to the planet Haven, but find it devastated and their friend Shepard Book mortally wounded. The operative promises to kill anyone who assists them until he gets River. Mal has the crew disguise Serenity as a Reaver ship and they travel to Miranda undetected. They find its 30 million colonists dead and a recording that explains an experimental chemical used to suppress aggression had been added to Miranda's atmosphere. The population became so docile that they even stopped performing all activities of daily life and placidly died. A small portion of them had the opposite reaction and became insanely aggressive and violent. The Alliance had created the Reavers, and this was the secret in River's subconscious. Mr. Universe agrees to broadcast the recording, however the operative kills him and prepares an ambush. Knowing this, the crew provokes the Reaver fleet into chasing them toward the Alliance armada that's waiting for them. 
the Reavers and Alliance battle while Walsh pilots Serenity through the crossfire. He crash lands near the broadcast tower before being fatally impaled by a Reaver spear. It's a super sad scene. The crew makes a last stand against the Reavers to buy Mal time enough to broadcast the recording. The crew retreats behind a set of blast doors that fails to properly close. Simon is shot and River dives through the doors to throw back Simon's medical kit and close the doors before Reavers drag her away. At the transmitter, Mal fights the operative, finally subduing him and forcing him to watch as the recording is broadcast. Mal then returns to the crew and the blast doors open to reveal that River has killed all of the Reavers. The operative orders the Alliance troops to stand down. The operative then provides medical aid and resources to repair Serenity. He tells Mal the broadcast has weakened the Alliance government, but while he will try to convince the Parliament that River and Simon are no longer threats, he warns that they may continue their pursuit in retribution for getting the word out about the Reaver origin. Serenity then takes off with River as Mal's new pilot. So now that you have an idea of what's going on with the show and its companion film, Let's get into some illegally smuggled facts, fresh in from the Outer Rim. Michael Shara's Pulitzer Prize winning novel The Killer Angels was a huge source of inspiration behind Joss Whedon creating Firefly. The book follows both Union and Confederate soldiers on their journey living through four days of hell at the Battle of Gettysburg during the American Civil War. This war-torn landscape and divisive atmosphere helped Whedon think up and create his setting for his sci-fi western show, taking as a model the Reconstruction era, but setting it in a way-off future. When Joss Whedon originally conceived of the idea for Firefly, he had foreseen Serenity only having a five-member crew. However, as Whedon developed the ideas for the series and started thinking about casting, he decided to increase that number to nine. Now, it's unclear as to who wasn't going to make the original cut, but we all have our favorite characters, and let's be honest, we need all of them in order for Firefly to be the crew that we know and love. But it's interesting to note that actors like Neil Patrick Harris were being seriously considered for roles like Simon Tam before Sean Mayer was cast as the Doctor. Joss Whedon likes to give nods to his favorite movies in Firefly, most notably the sci-fi classic Star Wars. You see an Imperial shuttle flying around in a number of scenes, as well as Han Solo, Frozen, and Carbonite. He gives another nod to Alien with a Wayland yutani logo on a cannon blaster. He actually penned Alien Resurrection back in 1997, so that's a cool nod. Uh, another nod is that the Alliance officers' uniforms that we see in the show are actually the same outfits used in the 1997 sci-fi film Starship Troopers and were again repurposed for the sequel for that movie. Now, if you notice that no matter what planet the Serenity crew is on, that all horses look the same, well, that's because according to Firefly lore, Mal always rides the same horse. His name is Fred, and it kind of adds to that sci-fi cowboy image of authenticity. Speaking of authenticity, while many movies set in space feature loud explosions and sound effects of spaceships zooming around, Firefly's external sequences stayed true to life and featured no sound at all, except for background music. In reality, sound waves cannot be heard in the vacuum of outer space, so I actually like that scientific detail. Now, I'm not going to get too much into the complicated and unpleasant relationship that director Joss Whedon and Fox shared, um, but I will say that they did have some very bizarre marketing, and that attracted the wrong audience to the show, which failed to connect with the sci-fi crowd that should have been targeted, and as a result, the wrong people tuned in, then quickly tuned out, leaving poor ratings and a faded cancellation that should not have happened. Uh, they also aired the episodes in a really random way, and weren't ever put in their actual sequence until the first DVD release. I mean, leave it to Fox. These are the same guys that canceled Family Guy twice. Idiots. <laughs> Up next, we have an interview with Leroy Furwood. We had a fascinating conversation that delved into the nuances of topics such as what dolphins are like on acid and how close-knit the van life community is. Oh, and we got to talking about Firefly, too, so enjoy. So, so you're wanting to use artificial intelligence in order to decipher what dolphins are saying to each other. Yeah, why not? I think that's probably more effective than building a 24-hour jerk-off shack. 
like in, in the pool with the dolphin, I'd say that's probably more effective. The funniest part to me is this girl at 23 just showed up to this guy's thing. He like signed up for the, it was her idea to live with the dolphin. And they designed the dolphin thing where they're swimming around with two and a half foot water. The enclosure, yeah. On the second floor. <laughs> and that's the dumbest part to me. I was like, you could have totally made that ground floor. Yeah. But no, they spent a ton of money making the second floor of the house the dolphin thing. And uh, right. the first floor is where he went in, into the deportation tank to do telepathy with the dolphins to try to help them. And I'm like, the stupidest part of that is, you're like, I used telepathy to talk to the dolphins. I was like, no, you didn't. You, you already admitted you don't know how dolphins talk. <laughs> right. I think that's just the LSD talking for yes. The dolphins talking. But he had this, his deprivation tank was just like a hot tub, and then this, it was a hot tub, and then it was this weird, like, mask that he put on that he could breathe through. Right. But it literally looked like a horror film. Well, thing. have you seen Altered States? No. Altered States is a trippy sci-fi movie. I want to say from like the late 70s, early 80s, where this do- this doctor who deals... He's a psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever the fuck he is. Yeah. Dolph- dolphin jerker offer. And he's... It's a specialized tool, yeah. Specialized tool. And uh, he he ends up doing... He goes and does like the ayahuasca ceremony in Mexico with like the natives down there. And he also... Then he starts doing... Uh, LSD in conjunction with sensory deprivation and like it is basically this guy yeah. right like because he sits he just has the air breathing you know apparatus over his head like kind of like right. an old school diver's helmet yeah and he's just tripping balls middle of the day like it, you know in a basement at Harvard you know what I mean like it's a brilliant movie in fact at one point he like I gotta watch that he regressed he has a physical devolution like yeah, it, it's uh, he has, it's fucking crazy. The whole movie's crazy. I wish I could remember who who uh, made it and who stars in it, but I'll let you know afterwards. Yeah, I'll take a look because I'm gonna like go down this rabbit hole for the fun of it. It's a good yeah. It's have a you great ever done hole. a sensory deprivation tank? I haven't done it yet. No, but I've been wanting to. I did um, 60 minutes, I believe. I did maybe 90. Okay. But my brain is such that it took me. Two thirds of the time to shut everything off. Yeah, I, I have my brain goes like ten thousand miles an hour too. But so once be, it did, it was fucking like I can't explain it to you. Like if your brain does that, if you go in there long enough and it shuts off, it's just wild. Right. Like spatial so what, awareness. Yeah. Became, so what is that like? So because I, I know that like they're big enough to where even if you were to move around a little bit, because we're big boys. Yeah, but it, it was to the point that you would just your spatial awareness kind of just didn't matter and it just became like an expanse and in that expanse you could do like you could be self-reflective a lot of the voices and stuff that like in the in the world kind of just went away and it was this moment with myself where I was really 100% present which you don't get like you don't think about that a lot these days when I'm on my phone when I'm like oh, listening totally. to stuff that you're yeah. like not actually present in the situation you're wildly yeah. like I was posting stories to Instagram while trying to enjoy like this random wrestling match that I was at last night with like amateur wrestling mm-hmm. match which I did enjoy myself but it was taking away from the actual experience and it was like that I walked out of the, the, the place and I was like shit I'm like really in myself right now which is such a great way like it was such a great like I want to go back and do yeah. it again it doesn't sound dissimilar to like the clarity that you get from taking hallucinogens Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you're having a good trip. Cool. Well, uh, the voice other than my own, folks, uh, I'm sitting here with Leroy Furwood at Kelly's Olympian in downtown Portland, Oregon. It is a beautiful liquid sunshine day. Hell yeah. Good to see you up here from Salem, man. Yeah, it's good to be up here, man. Love come up to Kelly's. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we met in Salem. Uh, Leroy's from Salem. And uh, we, we met, I've been going down there with a couple of uh, other comedians on Wednesdays for Alley Cat with Jared Richards. So that's a great room. Love Alley Cat. And then, of course, Infinity. Uh, shout out to Chris. Emma. Emma. And the night, night kite, night, I don't know their last name. Summer and, and whatever his name is. Sorry, uh, whatever your name is, I forget it all the time. One of my favorite people, whatever their name is. Right, yep. Um... So before we get started, Leroy, what's your Instagram? Just my same name. Same as my name, Leroy Furwood. Yeah. Um, yeah you're going to have to spell that. <laughs> so, L-E-R, 
O-Y-F-I-R-W-O-O-D. I have two. I have that one, and then I have the one where I build um, school buses, small school buses and vans and whatever. You do have a rad uh, school bus. I do. It's pretty sweet, man. I've seen the pictures, and I can attest to its it's awesomeness. So I have two. I have Lever Furwood and Lever Furwood builds. Okay. And uh, to try to separate the two aspects of what I get around to uh, in a given week. (laughs) Was telling jokes and building buses. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from, you know, everyone's favorite day jobs. Right. Yeah, so... (laughs) Well, we do that, and we and we watch Firefly. That's what we're here to talk about. Uh-huh, yep. Which, thank you for suggesting it. It's been so long since I've seen it, and Serenity, the movie. <laughs> and uh, boy, it holds up. It does, uh, it but not. But in a lot of ways, it doesn't. Right, it, it does, and that like it was interesting to, to rewatch for me. Uh, it was just one at one season. Yeah. So like you can come back and you can say some some negatives, which you're like. The characters or the world seemed relatively simplistic. A bit, yeah. But that was that's the first season of anything. Like this is where we're playing. This is the playground that we're in. Well, um, the end of the season left it open so much for a second season, for sure. I mean, yeah. Josh Whedon, I read in in studying for this, had seven seasons arced out. Wow. Um, he had. Yeah, there was. There's number I didn't of seasons. It was that extensive. I knew that he had. Yeah, you know, he had feature plans for it. But I didn't think. It was, I didn't know. Seven yeah, seasons. he had a, seven seasons arced out, and like the two big things were Wash and uh, the lady, and I forget. I always forget her name. Zoe. Wash and Zoe were never going to break up. Mm. That's one thing he said, and the other thing is Inara was going to die of a disease. Oh, um, which is bleak, but so, such is life. Some sort of random space disease. Um, Make your own. (laughs) So, uh, let me ask you this. How did you get started in stand-up comedy? I got started in stand-up comedy going to the Den Bar open mic. Um, I have like a... If you ever watch me, you'd be kind of... Thank you. You would understand. I have a certain relish for a good bomb. Mm. Um, the awkwardness of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I went to Just the li- living in the bomb in the yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah. I went into the Den Bar open mic, um, and I watched it for a little bit, and then I just started to get into it. I've been a performer, which would piss off some people to say it like that, but I was a pastor for six years. Okay. I knew what it's like to be on stage, and yeah. kind of uh, between that and the Den Bar, I decided to get into it, and then it just took off from there. Right on. Um, to where I am now, which is not great. I mean, I'm not terribly far up, but I'm at a point I'm happy with. I think you're funny. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm getting to where I'm <laughs> funny, and I can make everyone laugh. And yeah, I do have the joke that if I knew how much work it was to do stand up, I probably I'm lazy enough that I wouldn't have started. Like you told me at the beginning, this is how much work it's going to take you. I've been like, nah, I'm good. I'll, I'll stick with bus building and go from there. Well, it's not work when it's something you love to do. Right, yeah. Uh, and I suppose stand-up for most most people that I talk to is a love-hate relationship to some degree. It, yeah, it's a it's a wildness to it. And then you yeah. just love There's nothing better than the drug of going up on stage and making people laugh. Oh, for sure. Um, and yeah. the bigger, the more, the merrier. Um, but I'm also a little probably weird in the community. I treasure just as much going up on stage and just bombing the shit out of it. Um, someone gave me that backhanded compliment this week. He's like, he tells jokes like he doesn't care what you think. And to some degree, it's probably right. Like, if I tell a joke and it just flats and the room gets super quiet and awkward, there's a deliciousness to it that uh, I enjoy, which is probably, it's probably like one of those natural uh, advantages to this, you know? Yeah, or like you tell a joke that one or two people get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's just smart mm-hmm. yeah no yeah I, I enjoy certain comics especially in the Portland scene who will tell a joke that's too smart for the room and then be mad at the room and right. I just think it's it's such a fun thing to do yeah um, well I, I, I was working on a bit it was like yeah here's a joke about quantum physics you either get it and you don't <laughs> and like I feel like that's too smart for and not to say that I'm the most smart guy but I'd say that's a pretty smart joke mm-hmm. That is chuckle worthy from like three or four dads in the audience, right? That happen to be scientifically inclined, <laughs> right? It's the uh, I get that a lot with um, like I do my two biggest events of the year. Uh, I do three or four 
festivals a year for Bus Life, and at them all now, they let me do an hour, um, like, get get comics in and do an hour. Yeah. Have you seen the Further Bus? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the Further Bus. That one's a trip. Um, I've, yeah, I mean... I in was that, at Seattle Hemp Fest on way too many edibles. It was, last time I saw it was at uh, String Summit. Okay. And it's, so you go to those, and I do jokes there. Yeah. That don't fly anywhere else in the world because they're just jokes about buses, a niche community, right? <laughs> um, and I get in trouble because I, it's, I, I write it. I, I say it's basically the same as writing like racist jokes for racists. Mm. You've got to be in that niche to really find that stuff funny. Um, yeah, I you don't be a find regular, racism funny. A regular but, David Duke, right? Yeah, I find for bus life it's the same way. I can make a bus life route just roll, but I've tried to bring. Those I remember trying to bring a bunch was of those a, jokes. Was that a bus pun? No, yeah, sure. Uh, no, I, I brought those jokes to here one day. Yeah. No one laughs. Yeah. It's just no one has the context. Well, Amanda Lynn Deal would laugh because she she too has a well she just yeah. she just sold it but yeah, she yeah. has a, had a great bus that's retiring on a farm to become a tiny house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> I've actually had her to a bus festival. Solid. Um, yeah. Nice. Well. Yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's good. You get a special sort of. It's a shared experience, and I guess that's what comedy is, is trying to find oh, yeah. the, fun, the funny and shared experiences. Yeah, definitely. That's why I think the whole pandemic was great for comedy, because yeah. I can make jokes jokes that are universal, mm-hmm. and right before the pandemic, you can't really... Like, some of those jokes aren't universal. Everybody's watching different TV shows, but there was a section of the pandemic where you could just kill with the Tiger King joke, Right, everyone had to watch it. Right. Yeah, you're forced into, like, okay, what is everybody else into right now? Because I have no other way to relate. Right, like, <laughs> bullshit about toilet paper, or, right. yeah, or the... Oh, well, I can't tell you how many times, like, people are still coming up with new COVID material, and it's like, dude, COVID's over with, like... Right, but it's... For it's all that t- thing for you all can, yeah, but you can still have the... There's still the funny, and the best part is... The best part is, uh, it's going to be, um... A shared experience at all time. Yep. <laughs> that's just my... Sorry, that's my watch. Uh, sounds like a Stranger Things pinball. Is that what it says? You got Stranger Things pinball? It's a special thing you get on iPhone watches. Um, you wouldn't know you're not an iPhone watch user. I can look no, down upon you. I, I have a, I have a, I'm a fossil watch user. <laughs> oh, all sorry right, about that. No, we're, my yeah, phone. we're back, back from a quick recharge. Um quick break for Netflix's Stranger Things pinball machine very important stuff uh, let me ask you this Leroy what was your first exposure to sci-fi like do you remember the first sci-fi that like really spoke to you whether, for, whether uh, it be a book it doesn't matter you know TV show movie whatever I think it would be a tie between you never forget your first and Star Wars yeah and my dad was a huge Star Wars fan so real young it was as soon as we could rent a video we were back in the day, like early 80s, where you'd rent the VCR and the videos. Yeah. We watched Star Wars. It was like the first thing my dad rented. Nice. Was that. But em- Empire, number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then yeah. Return, then New Hope. Yeah, four, five, and six. Yeah. Um, I would I would have put I would put it five, six, four in ranking. In a ranking, absolutely. Yeah. Empire yeah. is amazing. Then the other one was Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, 100% Doctor Who. We would watch that every, every week it came out, we'd watch it. Who's your favorite doctor? The one with the janky teeth and the hair like me. So, like, the ver- me version, but yeah, the yeah. early 80s. He's the one with the, the huge uh, scarf. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I, th- I think that's number six. Um, Eddie, I'll have to review my episode but like with my, Danielle uh, Porter about Doctor Who. My Doctor Who is, like, I just... It's just faded out of... Yeah. Yeah, like... Well, we... we I mean, we need space for jokes. <laughs> 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 right, it's just kind of definitely faded out. So what, what was your first exposure to Firefly? Like, did you see it in television syndication back in 02? Because uh, for me, I saw it, like, my, my wife recommended it to me, you know, like 10 years ago almost. For me, it was, yeah, my second wife uh, loved it and then turned me on to it, and I just couldn't get enough of it. And then they're like... The Firefly. The fire, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, I love the characters... Uh, like then, I would associate a lot with Mal. Um, sure. Now, these days, Shepherd Book more than anything. Uh, I see myself as more of a Wash. Wash. Yeah. 
I get that. I get a little watch vibe. And I love Alan Tudyk. Yeah, Resident Alien. That's my new like, that, thing. That's so fun. Yeah. I, th- I think it's uh, it's funny that he like uh, in one of the episodes he's talking to that cow fetus, the disfigured yeah. cow fetus, like. We come from peace from our world, you know. Like we must live in harmony. <laughs> yeah. And then, like he later plays uh, the Alien Resident Alien, which is a great show. I would actually love to cover that if you want to come back and do that. Oh, Resident uh, Alien, yeah. Fun. Maybe it's... we'll we'll do that maybe in the Halloween. Yeah, it's one a, of the Halloween episodes. It's it's a dumb. I love it. It's Alan Tudyk being his best. Yeah. And then the supporting cast is beginning to come along. Yeah, for sure. They're actually, it, it was one of the few shows that does, this Na- off topics, that does a justice to Native Americans. Native Americans, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Native American presence in that show is, is huge. And yeah. I lived right there. Like, Oh, cool. Uh, so it's fictitionally set in Colorado. Right. It's like right around the, like, the, with that, and they go to New Mexico for the family. Yeah. I just can see like the Durango, New Mexico area. I spent 12 years up there. The Four, so. four Corners area. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of reminds me of that while I'm there, nice. too. So Very cool. Yeah, because my, my, my first exposure to Joss Whedon was not Firefly. It was, like, Speed and mm-hmm. Toy Story. Yep, yep, yep. And Buffy and Angel. Did you see, uh, um, was it Dollhouse? Dollhouse. I like Dollhouse a lot, too. He, he's also done both DC and Marvel movies, which is, a like, that's a that's a crossover mm-hmm. that is, I would say, fairly rare. Uh, he's pretty prolific, man, like. He is. Uh, and, of course, Serenity, the Constellation Prize movie. Right. <laughs> Right, which is wild. Um, it is. A, it is a wild, wild movie. A lot happens, and they a lot uh, of you know. I, I already issued a spoiler alert, but like you know, shit like Wash getting impaled. Yeah, that it's the finite story arc to the movie is definitely so like. Okay, Firefly is never coming back. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. This. Yeah. Like yeah. the ship's ruined. Right. Whatever, yeah. I. And I, I'm actually one of the people that are a fan of the show, perfectly fine with that. Yeah. But I think the universe is right. Oh, for that sure. That universe is real right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I kind of don't like how soft core the Alliance versus Independence thing is. Like, they try to hardcore it up a little bit sometimes, and even though it is a war, there are people who are dying. Yeah. It just seems a little bit like red, red versus blue. <laughs> right. Well, you know that uh, the Alliance, all those uniforms are actually Starship Trooper uniforms. Oh, are they holdovers from the actual wardrobe of Star Trek Rivers? I love that movie. It's wild as fuck. I was reading up. One of my favorite satire pieces ever. Right, yeah, Starship. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh, Starship Troopers are the Alliance uniforms. That's awesome. And the Rebels, the Independents, get this, are the uh, uniforms of the people from the show The Postman. Okay. You know the bad guys in The Postman with the red scarves? No, but is, that a, is it a Western? Uh, the Postman is a, a horrible... Um, they're all horrible. Uh, God, what's that dude? The guy did Dance with the Wolves. Blanking on his name. That's okay. Yeah, so basically it's a show... It's set in Oregon, though. It's oh. set in where I grew up in Oregon. Okay. So for me, it was kind of cool, but like nice. they have this like bad guy army that is like Western dirty dudes, and they use their... The, that's the the uh, rebels brown, brown like, coats. Yeah. That's yeah. the rebels brown coats uh, right. ideas. So I was cool. like, in the research, it was interesting to see how cobbled together it all is. Yeah. But I don't know if that's. So, so you, but your favorite character is Mal. Then. Uh, I gotta say now my favorite character is book. book. Yeah. Okay. I even named my dog Preacher. Oh, nice. Off yeah. of that character. Not the comic book and subsequent television show, which is also no. that no, is a no. great show. Have you seen that? Preacher. I, I haven't seen the show, but I know of it. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I actually highly recommend it. All right, I'll put that on the list. I, I usually, I usually don't, you know, like fantasy gore that much. But yeah, th- this, yeah. this is it, it. Fucks this one. Fucks. All right. Yeah. Uh, lots of dismemberment. It's great. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite job sequence? Because they go, they get into a lot of shenanigans. You know, like li- lifting that the Lannister weapon. You know, with uh, with saffron. Yeah, yeah. Or, Christina Hendricks, by yeah, the way. Christina Hendricks. Um, oh, she <laughs> could leave me naked on a moon any day. Saffron. <laughs> um, or Yolanda. Or uh, uh, Bridget. Have whatever name she goes by. You know what I mean? Like she has like a hundred different aliases. I felt like um, the train job was one of the first ones that yeah. aired. Uh, kind of showed you kind of the heart of it. Yeah. But then. Uh, the other heist that I liked um, was when the message when they move the guy's body and he's not actually dead. Right. Because that yeah, kind of 
both of the like the train high showed you the inherent good of this band of ruffians and then the message showed you like the depth of the backstory yeah that drives like the impetus of who they are of why they're all like altruistically good in the long run even though they're dealing with shitty people they're not my favorite episodes but like yeah my favorite episode is the last one what's his name you see the guy from Firefly the operative yeah which was better when it was early I agree. Um, and I wish was, that he would have come back somehow in Serenity. Oh, he Serenity. definitely was when he got yeah. kicked. Well, he, in the movie, in the book, he's coming back in the series because right. he just kicked, like, he's just... But He's like, well, here I am. The opening <laughs> scene of that one where you just realize who Summer is by just being able to read everyone's actual thoughts. Yeah. But then thinking a, a piece of wood is a, is a gun, like gun, a gun, gun a piece of wood. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you get... Obviously it, some crossed wires. Yeah, it paints you this wonderful picture of... She's not crazy. Her world is just... Her inputs are just so much di- vastly different. Well, and they've been scrambled so yeah. badly. Yeah. You know, the the two-by-two two hands of blue thing, I feel like that would have been elaborated upon more in the second season. Yeah. Uh, it's too late for a reboot, right? I mean, like, like, like let's say... Reboot? Because, you know, like, you wouldn't be able to bring back certain characters because of the nature of Serenity. But, like, if you... If you let's say you didn't... <laughs> If you didn't see Serenity, and you were to just leave it open, you know, like, because yeah. some reboots are like, and then 20 years later. Right, right. Yeah. No, I think that's what you'd have to do. You'd yeah. have to come back in, in, in an arc where... Like, Zoe happened to be pregnant, and then she has a kid, like, you know, like, could has you imagine Wash's a, kid or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like a Wash's, Wash's kid meets uh, a one-off love child of Malin and Aras. Yeah, and, totally. And then, yeah, and then you get... Are like, we writing a, this? There we go. I feel like we're writing this right now. And then Adam Baldwin plays himself because he's pretty much been canceled because he's a conservative idiot. Well, yeah. Um, but, you know, All that the, just the means... James, the Janesville episode is hysterical. That, yeah, Janesville is a beautiful yeah. episode, but it just means that he wasn't acting in the show. He was just playing himself. Yeah, he was just being a deep bitch. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, being a Baldwin. That's what Twitter has shown us. Is like he's, He was never really acting. He was just no. like, we need this idiot, and then he shows up. Well, he doesn't look too great either now. But no, yeah, like Adam would be. Adam, yeah, he looks. He's still. He's great now. He would be fun to, to be in there. But you could definitely use that world. Yeah. Um, it's so beautiful because whenever you're painted into a corner somewhere, Josh Whedon can just dream up a new, like, hey, Persephone, or we just right. dream up a new planet and go forward. Totally. Well, so, so and that's, that's an interesting thing about this, you know, Western futuristic. There are no aliens. This is one of the few spacefaring sci-fi, you know, vehicles yeah, that yeah. does not have aliens. There's, doesn't even have, like, non-standard animals. Right. Yeah, or genetically modified shit, you know, like, yeah. other than, like, the MK Ultra esque you know, program that River is a, yeah, yeah. A, a part of. But, like, you know, there's 2001 A Space Odyssey. That doesn't have aliens. Interstellar, THX 1138, at Astra and Wally were, like, the only ones that I could find that, don't that were a... uniquely space-oriented or, like, you know, futuristically we have space travel. Uh, yeah. That wasn't directly influenced by some sort of alien species. So I think it's unique in that respect, uh, you know, I, based I, on the wider breadth of sci-fi. I always thought that sci-fi... We have to have, like, we have to have this large, poor population in it. Right. There had, like... The haves and the have-nots. Sci-fi where capitalism doesn't endure is so rare. The only one that sci-fi does where capitalism doesn't endure is Star Trek. And even then, there are species that are dedicated to it, like the Ferengi. Right. Know, like the, they're, they're called the Ferengi Commerce Authority, you know, like... Yeah, they they are they are the hypercapitalists, and and in that respect, they are a commentary on as such. You know, but yeah, it, it is the post scarcity nature of the Star Trek universe. Uh, you know, is like because in this, it's they're doing jobs, they're trying to get rich still. You know, like there's still it's still a monetary. They're still Although like I, I do like the amalgamation of like how they integrate the Chinese language in. I thought that right. was really cool. How much cuss words are in Chinese? How many? Yep, um, and I. I want to look up transcripts of episodes and then put it into the translator and see what it is that they're saying. Uh, right. Because I'm very curious. There's some you can pick up just because of context, but... I know. love that they never bothered to translate it. Right. It just says speaking Chinese in, in, yeah. in yeah. the closed captions. 
So do you think that the Serenity movie did a good job of addressing the series and like wrapping up all the story arcs? Because River's development of mental powers is definitely the longest arc in the show. Yeah. And it comes to culmination in Serenity in a major way. I mean, like she steps into her own and like... It did, considering how many new things it had to... Like, it did the Reavers justice. It did... Right. Which we only see in one episode prior, and they're going to become a giant, real antagonist. Yeah. But just being... And that antagonist is basically the cast-off of capitalism in a society. And then, like, you can... The Reavers today are akin to the homeless in Portland. Like, they... Absolutely. um, It's allegorical to the, the, you know those that we don't want to consider so we put them out in the outer rim out in the black you know like right and when you're forced to deal with it you know like you don't have an actual solution so it's going to be your undoing which i think is basically what is happening like you said with the homeless population here in portland or houseless population rather right yeah because we we have housing potential here yeah like it it just took airbnbs in general like people that like this is an empty space i want to make money on or all these but, stupid fucking buildings that, place that, they're, the street, yeah. that they're building down here that like you know nobody's going to be able to afford if we just moved everybody up a peg move all the college students into like legit condos move the people <laughs> in the condos into high rises then move the people who don't have a place to stay into the dormitories you can't do that in a in a in a society structure where we believe that people without Occupying rights have rights, so like that's like if there was no occupying rights in in our in our economic structure, then all this emptiness would be filled with things. Right, it, um, but it would have to be by design. Right, and then so like that's what other but cultures our, before us had. And our hyper growth, though, the, the requirement for for continued exponential growth. Mm-hmm has the byproduct of exponential waste and whether that waste is material or in space you know that could otherwise be occupied has become more than evident in this late stage capitalism hellhole that we're living in because oftentimes i like to ask like well would you like to live in the futuristic western world because it seems kind of cool right well yeah you know like would you live in a dystopian society where we're kind of on the fringe of like a lot of you, you see a lot of sci-fi, and there's like this cataclysm that sets in motion yeah, the yeah, events, yeah, yeah. you know, of the prehistory of the events of the movie or show yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I feel like those are the times that we're living in. It, there's, there's definitely got to be some sort of. We stopped caring about the Kardashians, Kardashians some more, and started caring about a country that literally was just in the way of a superpower getting overrun. Right. Um, so a pipeline could go to Europe. And now Europe's like, yeah, you're doing horrible shit, but we really need what? that pop line. Right. Like, and America's sitting over here being like, hey, We're I understand why you would want a pipeline, because yeah. we, well, we have some of too. our own. Right. Yeah. Um, we've done this, like... Well, and this is also a byproduct of our uh, meddling with Russian affairs in the Arctic Circle. They're trying to make a more direct path for shipping route and try to run underlying piping, but we yeah. own, like, basically, we own, quote-unquote, but yeah, owns anything. But, like, the, the seafloor, you know, for internet cables and, like, the most effective way of transporting it is along the same path for natural gas piping. Yeah, yeah. But, like, so Russia's like, okay, well, if we can't go through the Arctic, like, we ought to be able to. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to steamroll. We, 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 we had great success with Crimea. Remember that one? Yeah. We're just yeah. going to double down. It's uh, That's why Trump loves Putin so much, because he's, like, a true double downer. Yeah, and the thing that's weird to me is... The fucking sun. There's a sun. Yeah. And oh, we, this is completely unnecessary. Yeah, we have the point to now. Like, uh, you, you're people are just blown away at how like just a bus. How much I can get like 40 miles a day if I had an electric motor on my bus and yeah. just the whole top in solar. And then mm. people, it's laughable how much it costs to live in a bus. Like I now I have a house. I live with my best partner. I'm spending that money willfully. Sure. But if I just one day if decided you needed to, to live in the bus, yeah. uh, it goes down. It goes from like five thousand a month to like eight hundred dollars. Sure. And but if I went to like, I become a problem at that point because I'm not pandering to the system. Mm. Like we can't have things show that you can live without it. Like you live outside of it. This society doesn't work if you show its inherent flaws. Oh, sure. okay, right. Like how you can't just go off and live in a national park or something. Right. You'll, you'll start to see a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot lately. There's been a lot of news articles about how 
you actually can't live in vans. It's not good for you. It, uh, oh, well, you, that's, you know, all, like, that's propaganda. Though. Yeah, yeah because it has to be. Because yeah. uh, I have a bunch of friends who... Oh, if enough people did it, it would destroy the system. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the fact that people think they need lawns, it blows my mind. That should be the next revolution, the van revolution, van life. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't because it's, it's, it's opting out is what it is. It just opts right. out of the system. Well, and, that, and I think that's healthy for... A number of reasons. You know, I, I think psychologically, like not having to be beholden to the structure that we are forced into is freeing in, a, in, a, in more ways than just uh, you know, freedom of movement. Right. Um, which I'm sure is a hugely beneficial thing. I mean, it, it, the only the only congruence that I can think of that I've heard of is this gal who is a professional trucker. She's a long haul trucker. Yeah. Who also, she lives out of the canopy, basically. Yeah, yeah. And just vacations, wherever it is that she drops something off, she's not like, you know, I'm just like, she's an independent, so she's yeah. not super beholden to some sort of crazy schedule. Mm-hmm. But she'll haul from, like, Kansas City to, you know, Idaho Falls and then go camping in southern Idaho for right. a weekend, you know, or so, and then yeah. pick up something in that region and take it across to Chicago and go spend time outside of Chicago, and- like... Which yeah. is a great way to do it. You're making money. You're, you know, you have a place to stay. Like on that situation, like I have so many friends like that. Yeah. In the like the whole van life part of my life is, they're just rife with those kind of people. Well, I bet it's an, I bet it's a pretty tight knit community because you have a, a pretty, yeah, alternative mindset. It is. It's, it's a very much shared experience, but it's also very much, um, you look out for each other. Yeah. Uh, and in, in like. Geography doesn't matter. Right. I have like one of my my closest friends sent me a bunch of things to this morning about, and, and she's hanging out in Florida right now, uh, and just was like, "Hey, I thought of you today. Here it is." And you just so you end up meeting and then like coming together at these festivals and then kind of partying. Baja becomes a great place, but some people have jobs and some people just make it do, and some people like yep. there's a guy who. Literally just drives around making final stickers for other buses, and that's enough money for him to just afford to just do that. Right on. And people are like, what, aren't you going to any place? And he's like, I've lived like five years. Well, it's it's a microcosm. That it's it's the most expansive microcosm I can think of. <laughs> I think it's funny, like bringing back Firefly. I think it's funny whenever they go to a planet. There's yeah. like there's truisms that you just automatically accept. In harsh times, people with with power come to rise, and they abuse that power. Yeah, and you never challenge that. Like uh, the only place you can see that is at the in in the in the movie where where book goes back has gone back and and uh, like that character didn't get his yeah. he did not get his due. No, he did not get his due because I love that last episode of the first season where. The, the bounty hunter looks at him and goes, "That's, that's no. not a, that's no preacher." Yeah, that's not preacher. Yeah, or you no know, shepherd. Yeah, no. I, I want I wanted books background. Yeah, everybody wants so much more because I feel like he was like because he and Jane really connected. I feel like yeah. he was probably ex special forces or something like that. You know what I mean? Like he was definitely ex alliance. He definitely uh, even he though he a, said that he rode the you know the yeah. fence. He had a better uh, yeah ex alliance probably. He had a better way of interacting with those that were like the Jane and the Mal and mm. even the Zoe mm. than he did like the Wash and the and the um, Doctor and what's his name? Doogie Howard. Simon Tam? No, Simon Tam was That's Neil Patrick Harris had auditioned oh. for that role. Oh, oh that would have been wild. Oh, that would have I would have uh, I would have liked to see that. Right. Although I, I like the job that um the, the fellow. Oh yeah, the Simon Tag. He's great because he is just that sort of smart, driven guy. You can't really build upon him too much. He's a pretty because he ha- character. He has yeah. to be so driven to his sister, right. to make what he has done plausible. Right. Yeah. Um, that's the main justifier. Is yeah. Like, is, is of his story arc is that it's all for his sister. And you know, he started out like as Zac Efron. So how could you not? Like Zac Efron yeah. played young Simon Tam. How could yeah. you not yeah. just grow into some, some pretty sort of but hunk. not very deep guy? Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> well, uh, Leroy, where can we hear you before? Well, besides this mic, where can we hear you perform next? Um, I'm usually I, I post my stuff on my Instagram. I'm all over, but my biggest one's upcoming is got a couple shows in Bend, and then I'm also doing uh, Descend on Las Sierras and Descend on Bend, two of the largest fan life events nice. in the world, and those are pretty much what I stake my summer around. 
Other than that, I'm just like in the grind, trying to come up in the grind, trying to get to those feature level spots coming out of the opener into the feature level. And are we all? I got to write more stuff and get better and come to places like this and work them. So that's what I'm doing. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks, Zero. Good meeting you. All right. Yep. Glad to get the chance to sit down with Leroy. We first met down in Salem, Oregon at the Alley Cat Bar open mic hosted by Jared Richards, and he's always been a super cool dude. In fact, I think Salem has an awesome comedy community that's super inclusive and supportive. Can't wait to have more comics from Salem on the show. Alright, it's time to get on down to it. Yes, it's time for your water cooler fact. Now, I'm going to stray away a little bit from our usual format, because this week's fact is a little bit of conjecture mayo mixed into the larger vat of aioli that is Firefly fanfic and speculation, but Firefly may yet live. Yes, it's true. There are more than just rumbles about a reboot of the series itself with a plot that I totally called while talking with Leroy before even looking this potential up. Now, I didn't just make this website up, but... Here's an article from boingboing.net back in 2020. It reads, There were recent rumors that the cult favorite sci-fi western Firefly might be rebooted or retooled for a triumphant return on Disney+. This never sounded reliable to me, but now Boom Studios has announced a new Firefly spin-off comic book series titled A Brand New Verse that's set 20 years after the Serenity film and focuses on the new crew of the same ship with a blood connection to the old one. Here's the official synopsis, which I totally fucking called. Set 20 years after the events of Firefly, Serenity soars the verse once again with a new captain, Emma, the daughter of Wash and Zoe. The old crew of Serenity has gone their own way, and now Emma is working to prove herself to Zoe, alongside a new crew of castaways and misfits just trying to stay afloat. But when Serenity takes a job from a familiar face, they discover that their new, living, breathing cargo is far more than they bargained for and might bring them into conflicts with the Alliance once again. Josh Lee Gordon and Fabiana Mascolo begin a new era for Josh Whedon's Firefly with first appearances of an all-new cast, new adventures, and shocking new surprises. Boom Studios is no stranger to comic book adaptations of beloved properties. They've recently published another Firefly series set in the post-Serenity world as well, as a graphic telling the Unification War set before the TV series. Joss Whedon himself even wrote a few Firefly comics, one bridging the gap between the TV show and the movie, and the other focusing on the secret origin of Shepard Book. I really want to pick that one up, because I've always been curious about Shepard Book's origin story. So, you must be asking yourself at this point, is this material available for me to read, like, ASAP? It is. Firefly Brand New Verse dropped its first of six parts in March of 2021, and is available in its entirety through a number of online sources. I'll definitely be grabbing a copy of this series extension. Well, folks, I reckon it's about time for me to mosey on out of here. You've got your facts. The sun is low on the horizon, and I'm fitting to fly off into the sunset. Yep, can't take the sky from me. I'd like to thank my sources for today's episode. That'd be Ranker.com, Factinate.com, Mentalfloss.com, Wikipedia, because if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true, as well as my own nerd knowledge on this one. I had a fun time revisiting this series, and I truly hope that a reboot is in the near future. Next week, we have a humdinger of a show because we're focusing a Cylon eye on Battlestar Galactica. Attention! Attention! Don't worry, we're just going to touch on the original series from the late 70s, and focus more on the 2003-2004 reboot series and subsequent movies. Our guest for that episode will be one of my favorite ex-Mormons around, Logan Lockmiller. We're going to nerd out before a mic about the sci-fi staple, so set your sights on Earth and make sure to catch that transmission next Tuesday from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. You can find awesome content any time of day, 1 a.m., Let's say even 1.15 a.m. Just by visiting Shady Pines Radio on the web at ShadyPinesRadio.com or by downloading the very free app wherever you get your apps from. In the meantime, here's Leroy making people laugh. I mean, hey, 
you're a person, right? Or you might just be a dog on a couch whose owner puts on random podcasts all day so you don't get lonely. In which case, that's really sweet. But do you want a treat? Do you? Do you huh? Is, is that a good doggo? Who's your... Oh, here you go. Here's Leroy. Just like, what the 
slipped and I turned it. Was it? And I was like, Andy, are you okay? Are you okay, Andy? Andy, are you okay? You've been hit by a smooth criminality. All right, guys, my name is Leroy Furman. You have been great. Are you guys ready for your next comment?